dear Spanky Next listeners, I'm Anna, one of your hosts of Spanky Next. And I'm Gregor, the other host. Absolutely. As they you call are. me, the other host. <laughs> we wanted to come in with a little special bonus episode ahead of season three launch in the coming months to do a sort of year in wrap with what's going on in kink, pop culture, and celebrity culture. It's cold, it's raining in Barcelona, and Anna and me, we decided to sit down with a cup of coffee and just talk a bit about what's going on in the world of kink so far. And what's going on in the cultural zeitgeist. Oh God, we love that. We love the zeitgeist. So Anna, how has 2023 been so far for you? Wholesome, I would say. Oh my God, I love that for you. I know, Uh, it's not often I say that. I didn't do dry January or anything like that. No, I really tried. Honestly, I tried. How yeah. long, how far did you make it? I think I did five days. That's good. <laughs> I think dry January, to be fair, is a really bad time. I should have done like dry February, but January is still, you know, so many kind of celebrations, so many get togethers. I was also at home in Austria, you know, so I still I was meeting friends. It was my sister's birthday. So it was not the time to get away from the booze. Absolutely not. Especially in Austria. That's kind of your vibe, like in the UK. It's a drinking country, but also like Spain. We're kind of drinking True. nations all over. Absolutely. And this is why we didn't do our rap in January, because you've been away, I've been away, and we're finally back together. We're finally back together. And also kind of we're having all these meetings, talking about what we could do in season three, looking back on season two. Still so many topics we want to explore. So yeah, I don't know. I'm already really excited. And we also want to hear from you if there's anything that you want to see covered in the coming season three. We're going a bit deeper into themes that may be a little bit more left of field and probably that will be a little bit more narrative. So give us your feedback at Spank you Next Instagram and Spank you Next Podcast at Twitter. Perfect. Yeah, we always love to hear from you. And yes, especially at the beginning of this year, we also heard from another very, very public figure, (laughs) Um, Prince Harry. He has been kind of, we couldn't stop hearing from him, not kind of a personal way, but he was all over the place. Yeah, with his memoir named Spare. Spare, what a title. As you know, Gregor, I'm not, I'm not the biggest royal family fan. Fair enough. Fair enough, but I also have been absolutely loving the excerpts the people are sharing online. He's, Spare. Yeah, he's really um, sticking the knife into his family while telling some very honest tales, but I wonder how honest they are because he doesn't sound very interesting. I have to say, I think that the day will come when he regrets it. Yes, I think his ghostwriter really did a number on him. You know, because I think, okay, I'm, I'm sure loads of shit is going down in the royal family. I, I won't deny that. But um, I think this is something, I mean, this is like what usually what Disney princesses do, you know, <laughs> kind of these young girls that get kind of used by Disney. They kind of give their all to kind of television and Hollywood and they're being really exploited. And then at one point they crash and they really regret it. And I think it's Harry kind of sorry, dear, but the same thing is happening to you. You're being used and in one <clears throat> year, nobody will care about all of this. Oh, God. Bring that day, please, because all anyone talks about these days is the royal family. And I hate that we're doing the exact same thing. We're doing this exact same thing. But now all I do is turn on Netflix. I I turn on anything and Prince Harry is there. Have you seen the documentary? No. Yeah, I'm also, I, I won't watch it. I won't, watch, I won't it. watch that. I've heard from friends that no, it's not Sorry, really Sorry, but worth as a pair, it. they seem so unbearably insufferable. God, yeah, they are. <laughs> we don't want to judge them, but kind of we do. Um... I don't mind judging them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the sex in Spare. The sex. So he spoke about his 
virginity and losing it in yeah. a certain way, which we see a lot of kink in, right? Do you, do, you, do you probably want to read it? I think I do, because if nothing, it is literary genius. Oh. So. She liked horses quite a lot and treated me not unlike a young stallion. Quick ride, after which she smacked my rump and sent me to grace. Among the many things about it that were wrong, it happened. <laughs> Go on, it's so good. <laughs> it happened in a grassy field behind a busy pub. Of course, he felt like a stallion if they were doing it on the grass, you know. Kind of, mm, and she sent him to grace. Yeah, I think we were talking about this, how kind of arrogant you have to be to think that on your first go as a straight man that you're going to be a stallion. Oh my God, he definitely thinks a lot of himself. That, that much <laughs> good, is clear. Good for him. Good for himself. So I think, oh. the, I think the reason we're talking about this is the spanking, the age difference, and that people have been really shocked about it, especially in the royal establishment. Yes. But... At the same time, it's nothing that big deal. I have this one friend who always talks a lot about his sexual experiences, and I'm so sure that almost 80% of all of that is just made up. Absolutely. Because, you know, people who brag a lot about their sexual performance, you know that usually they um, not so much happens in the sack. Yeah, or they're hiding something. That oh. tends to be a thing. I have a friend also who... Um, who's gay but wasn't out mm. and he would describe all these mad sexual experiences he had with with women in sort of toilets of clubs that i was at and i just knew that these weren't true <laughs> but you know kind of harry sounds a bit similar to me like not kind of maybe not hiding something but you know talking about sex like a person who doesn't have a lot of sexual experiences or he talks about it like He's had a very vanilla sex life, mm. and this was the most extraordinary it got. Not, yeah, but good for him. I mean, it, I honestly kind of considering how first times usually are. That seems like like seems a fun story. Good. And I know. do. I think he, when he says of all the things that were wrong with it, I don't see that that That's much wrong annoying. because I think, as we say, losing virginity. But I don't really like that saying. Mm. Is it ever good? Mm. I'd like to hear from anyone of the viewers. Please write in if you've ever yeah. had a good kind of losing very, virginity yeah, experience. Very, very few people have like a perfect losing their virginity story. I think it's just kind of... Yeah. You just got to get it done yeah. sometimes. You're right. Let's call it first time story because using... Yeah, I don't yeah. like the concept either. But yeah, it seems like he has a lot of shame on that. Like, kind of, I think he should definitely listen to our podcast. <laughs> he could learn a lot. Well, speaking of... His brother is known to be more of a kinky guy. He's been called the Prince of Pegging. Yeah, Prince William has been dubbed the Prince of Pegging because rumours abound last year after a royal insider wrote a blog post detailing an affair he's supposedly having with, what is she called? I have it written down here. Rose Hambry, Marchioness of... I can't even say that I'm British. you can't even say that, who can? I can't say that I'm British, not pretty. <laughs> You're bratty. Um, pronounced Chumley, I believe. <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. And Kate Middleton, Prince William's wife, apparently has an understanding that he goes and gets his pegging from another woman because she's has because she has no interest in doing it herself. 
good for her. I mean, if you don't want to do it, you just have to be open about it and say, kind of look for it somewhere else. I mean, I think this is um, the most progressive I could think of a royal family being, though. I mean, that's really true. I think it's not good gossip. It's just an amazing story. And I think they should be an example for all of us. Uh, who would have who thought? Who would have you know, thought? You know. Yeah, so we have no idea if it's true or not. But I always seem to think that once, like, a rumor substantiated a lot, there's some truth to it also you know who are these royal insiders kind of it's always kind of "Mm, we hear yeah i don't know i think sometimes it's people that work at the palace and like that really like go to the press and there's also people in the uk that are just so obsessed with the royal family that they'll do anything to get near them yeah people in the uk every single person who bought the book and everyone who watched the netflix documentary (laughs) but yeah i think kind of basically we have two things here haven't we like pegging Go for it, William. Go for really it. And do. also, go back and listen to our episode called Begging for a Pegging. If you're interested in pegging, it is by far our most popular episode ever. It's also such a good episode. I think kind of everybody can learn so much from this episode. I, you know, kind of what we should do, actually, I think we should re-release this episode. Yeah, I think people need to know, because I think this straight white man, I mean straight, I say inverted commas, because it's a spectrum, but it's pegging's becoming a lot more normalised. This is really kind of a sex trend that we could observe over the last year that heterosexual men began to discover the pleasures their anus can give them. And amen to that. Amen to that. Because you guys have a pleasure centre. Oh God, yeah, we have right a prostate there. there. Yeah. And I don't know what Lola Jean, who's in our first episode about pegging, said, but she said the anus was the gateway to something. Something good. <laughs> I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> well, Actually, this is a funny story because a couple of days ago, Anna and me, we sat together with uh, two colleagues from work and we talked about anal sex, as we sometimes do over lunch. We do work at a sex company, but yes. We do, yeah. So, and the thing here really is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would say kind of for women, a lot of time, it's more the excitement around this topic because it's still like a bit of an anal sex taboo topic, but men can actually get physical pleasure out of it because of the prostate. You have a... it's called the p-spot right it's an actual g-spot but it's called p-spot and while i know a lot of women that really enjoy it and do get pleasure Mm. out of it we don't have that instant spot down there that if you just like hit it you can orgasm of course you can and everyone gets their jollies differently but i do think men particularly should be utilizing that anus a lot more they definitely should oh and the other thing i wanted to comment on prince william if cage really opened for him having, to him having an affair with somebody who can give him somebody she is not willing to give him. I think that's so cool. I think that would be yeah. a very modern arrangement. Yeah, I think that's something we really support in our podcast because the thing really is you can be into the weirdest things and sometimes your partner might be into something else and that's just okay and then you just have to kind of agree what to do with it. You Absolutely. know, maybe... Maybe you don't do it, or maybe you do it with somebody else, or maybe you only fantasize about it. So This is something we covered in our BDSM Basics episode mm. about talking to your partner with we kinks. We did, yeah. And ultimately, if you can't really make it work and you really do need to explore your kinks, sometimes it's about breaking up. But I think you can come to a lot of arrangements, particularly as there's a lot of kinks that I would say people don't even see as cheating because they're not always... The traditional idea of what sex is, yeah. right? That kind of mainstream, oh, it's penetration, that's cheating. But actually, if I just tickled someone with a feather, that's not. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is... Um, 
I think we should really do an episode about this kind of, you know, poly- polyamory and cheating because for so many people, cheating is kind of the, you know, kind of some people say, oh my God, kissing is already a huge betrayal. But loads of people say, oh, I could forgive kissing. I could forgive this. I could forgive this. But penis into the vagina, I could never get over this. Yeah. And I think that's so fun how we define where the, the line severe is. is the line is the severe act of cheating begins i think it is funny but also everyone needs to just wise up to the fact that they might not be able to get everything from one partner i was listening to a podcast and there was a sex psychologist psychosexual psychologist oh. on and she was saying that the idea that you can get everything from one person is a very modern thing and actually only happened in the post-industrial era yeah because we want our partner to be our best friend our confidant our family Uh, cohabitating partner and sexual that's a lot to expect from one person you know who also says that who our icon Esther Esther Perel Esther Perel says the same thing maybe it it was Esther Perel yeah maybe it was it usually is (laughs) it usually is oh she's amazing also the relationships people had in like I don't know, even 50 years ago, your partner was not supposed to be your best friend. And now you're always looking for this deep soul connection, which I'm I'm too, right? I'm just really, I'm too. And I don't really want a marriage from the 50s, but I get where you're going with this. But uh, of course, relationships work better in the past because we didn't rely solely on this one person. Yeah. And people tended to stay where they are. So you'd have a whole community. So you'd have your family mm. nearby. There was just this whole, you know, they say it takes a village. But now we often move away from what, yeah. where our parents are. So your partner becomes this like one person that, of course, you might run into like problems sexually because you see oh. them as like this, the little teddy bear you need when they, when, you know, you're in bed. But actually, they're also a sexual partner. Exactly. I mean... You know, I think it's very good to have like an anchor in your life and this can be a partner or whatever, but then too much expectations is also kind of really harmful. Can kill the vibe. Can kill, oh my God, it definitely does. If we're staying on the celebrities for one moment, you found a video from Hugh Grant. Staying on the celebrities and staying in the UK, even. Yes. God, they're kinky up there. <laughs> Hugh Grant, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Hugh Grant, um, it was actually, I think it was... Uh, I forgot the film it was about, but it was a red carpet moment. And uh, I think he, Hugh Grant was interviewed by a Hollywood reporter. And then they asked him something. And, t- and then he just said that he's been heavily into S&M for years. For years, For years. Eh? And that it's actually really fine, really okay, as long as you use safe words. Let's listen to the clip. Let's listen to the clip. Well, I've been heavily into S&M for, I don't know, 20 years now. So uh, I think so long as you have, if you have safe words, it's fun. Okay, 20 years, it's fun. I think you don't believe him. I think we spoke about this. I think a lot of our listeners can agree with him that it's fun. (laughs) But I don't know. I I feel like it it kind of came out of nowhere as well. It came out of nowhere. It struck me as something that, um, I don't know. I also think kind of if you would be... Um, heavily into S&M for uh, that amount of time I think you would speak about other things and you safe know, words because we safe words good and important and everything um, but I think we always speak about communication we speak about clear expectations safety risk safety, aware yeah uh, safe words are great but they're a bit old school in a way like you yeah. need them but the, the conversation the, has moved on a lot exactly they're not the, kind of it's that uh, 
Honestly, maybe he isn't as an airman. I'm really happy for him, and he should just be out there and live his best life. But also, it sounds to me again like somebody who has read about it. In you know, maybe what's the book called again? It's Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Don't let me bring up that book again. <laughs> it really sounds sounds to me as if he had just heard about it, you know, or seen a film or anything, and now brings it up. Yeah, But, and also because when you're in the kink community, a lot of people don't share that. It's very highly stigmatized yeah. still. If you are in the BDSM community, you might not tell people on a red carpet. You know, maybe he's demystifying, destigmatizing, but I just, I'm with you. I'm not sure yeah. I buy it. Yeah. I mean, if it's, Don't it, want to deny his kinks, whatever. Yeah. But. If he's really into S&M and then that was a really cool power move and I think we should just really bring it more out there, destigmatize it and say, yeah. I think yeah. we have a bigger problem just in general that we don't believe what celebrities say. Because we don't believe they're real. Fake news. Fake news. And they're always showing a version of themselves to the press and to us that it's not real. So it's hard yeah. to believe anything one says. It's true. You know, I think in the past, being a celebrity was really different because you had like press appearances and, and that was it. And now you're kind of observed all the time. And that's a phenomenon that started with the press a couple of decades ago and now with social media. Indeed. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Um, but let's refocus on kings, fetishes, and BDSM. I think we we also want to talk a bit about trends that came up in 2022, like yeah, news in the scene. We've been observing, and we've got a short list we're gonna talk about that's very much in the cultural zeitgeist, going back to what we mentioned earlier. And I think the first one would be audio porn. And erotic ASMR. It's huge. It's, it's so huge. huge that even we started doing it. Yeah. And like I not even... necessarily Anna and me, but you know, there's two podcast, three podcast episodes already where you can listen to our audio porn. Yeah. It's called Fetish Bone In and they are sexy. Oh my God. Yes. Please. Can you tell this story about your friend? I think you told me the story that one of your friends started listening to one of our fetish phone-in and then just kind of, just for the fun of it, but then got so aroused that... Yeah, she was in the bath and she thought it was just going to be another classic where we have these, you know, sort of highbrow conversations about kink like and power. Do. And she didn't realize it was going to be a real turn on and she texted her boyfriend to get back ASAP so they could... Get down dirty. That's what uh, we love to hear. I love this so much. <laughs> But I've been really noticing how many audio porn websites and companies are popping up. I even saw that some are getting like serious venture yep. capitalist funding, like millions, wow. because it's so big. So I think what's behind it is I think we're all a bit exhausted by how much imagery of mm. porn there is. Mm. Visual and overload. It, yeah, yeah, and you're, you can get it whenever you want. It's really easy access. When you listen to something... It's your imagination. I think we've lost that ability a bit because of yeah. our overconsumption of porn. And it's hotter in your mind in a way. Exactly, because everything's possible and you kind of, you really imagine the things you are more into. And you don't have that <sighs> dirty feeling sometimes, you know, when you watch some questionable porn and then you turn it off after you've done oh your my business. God, it's, not, not, oh my God, it's not yeah. a good feeling a lot of the time. <laughs> and now you can feel real good about yourself. Maybe we should put together a short list of top five audio porn we promote and... Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Kind of, that would be so cool. Definitely. Uh, I should also get into audio porn. Like, not listening to it. Like not. Definitely, you should get paid to do it. it. I should just do it. Uh, so another one is menstruation. Menstruation, please, enlighten us there. So a lot of people are touting that masturbation is very good when you're going through your cycle as yeah. a vagina haver or ovary haver. 
Which one shall I use? Fallopian tube. Have it. Okay. Um, <coughs> as a way of releasing tension, it's great for hormonal imbalance. Basically, it's not anything real new, I would say, mm. but it's something that's really catching attention online. Okay, so I think a couple of episodes back, we had this interview with this um, What's he called? amazingly nice but a bit mansplaining guy. And, Dirty and Don. D- Dirty d- Dan. No, I can't remember. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he was super nice. We loved him. But he was really kind of, um, as man, <laughs> promoting... Uh, menstrual sex sex and saying know. how it really helped with period yeah. pains and i'm sure it does for a lot of people but there's also people that have really bad period pains and they don't want something jabbing up there yeah so i guess when you just do it yourself then you're much more in control and you exactly. feel much more secure and i think a lot of women masturbate externally because the clit is external mm. and actually that's how most women can orgasm very few can orgasm from penetrative sex. So mm. masturbation is not inside. It's not messy if you are really heavy on your flow. So I, I really get it. And it is, it's always a relaxant, isn't it? Masturbation. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. It makes you feel good. And sometimes when you're in a period, you feel kind of ugly and greasy and yeah. spotty. You're not feeling your sexiest, but with yourself, it's absolutely fine. Oh, it totally is. And I think this is kind of, at some point in your teenage years, you just learn how relaxing masturbation can be. And it's always, it can always be this go-to. Whenever you've got a meeting you know? coming up, just go whack uh, one out. Exactly. <laughs> so another thing on our list is sustainable sex toys. And I think that's a really interesting development because, of course, our consumer habits are changing in so many ways. You know, kind of you go into a supermarket and check out what they have. It, it really changed. The offers changed. And... Of course, sooner or later, this also had to come to sex toys. But I have to say, you know, I think, I don't know, maybe some people have over 200 sex toys, but kind of normal people, how much would you have? Like 20 or something? (laughs) That's quite a lot. lot. (laughs) I mean, not for people into kink. You tend to have a lot of accessories and gadgets. But what I want to say is that I really think in order for the planet to um, shift into a better uh, direction, uh, big cooperation and politics has to change. And if you just want to have your little plastic sex toy, that's okay. I just... also think this whole sustainability conversation, though, it's really important. It's a, it's for a very privileged few in the yeah. end that can afford to spend a lot more money on a sex toy than just what's on mass offer. Exactly. And I think especially sex toys are so intimate that you should get what works for you. Yeah, and yeah. usually you don't chuck it away. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, the plastic is bad once it stops using it, but maybe once you stop using it, but maybe the best thing is to look for one that's rechargeable and won't break. Yeah. Like, spend a little bit more on something that's going to last you, but I think the sustainable ones are a lot more expensive because obviously the production is more costly, the materials are more costly. I think for people that have more money, they should be doing this kind of thing. You know, oh, yeah. take it for the pe- do it for the people that can't afford to. But I don't think we should be making people feel bad about things that improve their sexuality. Yeah. So uh, here comes my advice when it comes to sex toys. Really look for quality and look for something that works for you. And if it's sustainable, great. If it's not that sustainable, you'll be forgiven. Yeah. It's um, okay. I think once again, it's being put onto the consumer to sort all the problems out. Yeah, and it's really exactly big corporation. Oh, and well, we had this conversation about sustainable tampons and sanitary towels. Oh, yeah. Because in our office, we didn't have any sanitary towels or tampons. And I suggested that we get some. 
And there was this whole conversation about not getting tampons because they're not sustainable, they're not eco. And I just thought, now even women are being made to feel bad that they need certain things. And yes, they are bad for the environment. And if you can afford to get a moon cup, do it. And if you want to get a moon cup, do it. But I also don't think we should be making people feel bad for using things that are bad for the planet because people actually need them. Yeah, totally. We also wanted to talk a bit about Gen Z, our favorite topic. Our favorite topic. Because we have this theory that they experience the world of fetishes and BDSM in a different way than the boomer generation did. Definitely. And even millennials. And even millennials. So I don't know. I have this idea that it's actually something we speak about quite a lot. Yeah, so we have the theory that in the past, people were kind of much more into vanilla sex or hardcore BDSM. Like it was... I don't know, the more risky people, they just kind of experimented with BDSM, but like big part of the population just stuck to vanilla sex and never tried out new they things. They probably didn't have access to the education yeah. and the scene, and the resources, yeah. And now I really have this feeling that the Gen Z is a whole new um, generation. They just experience much more. So they introduce much uh, more and more kink practices in their normal sex life. And I think it's a lot more accepted and normalized that you might not be into the normative idea of sex i think that's definitely those myths are getting busted left right and center that like penetrative sex is not the only sex and often it's not the most enjoyed sex yet i still think gen z are having less sex (laughs) on a whole actually i think there are studies about this this is yeah it is honestly it is true young people now are having less sex than our generation had. Why do you think that is? I wonder if also, I think there's two things. I think that our society has just generally become a lot more fragmented Mm. and individualistic. And people stay at home more, they live online, so they might not be having those true connections in real life, Mm. but they may be having online sex. You know, it might be chat sex, webcams, it might be through their phone, whatever. And the second one is, there's something to cater for everyone's needs now. You can yeah. basically, if you're really into gaming, you can game all all night long and find other people that do that. You find your community. If you want to just have solo sex, there are an amazing array of sex toys out there that you can just get delivered home. Oh my God, that's so true. And probably better than most sex. I have the feeling that now people really decide with whom they want to have sex. Yeah. Because I think kind of our generation still, you know, I'm gonna be, yeah, at some point it just felt like, oh, now kind of, yeah, a date, not a date. Oh, no, we just have to have sex in a way. And you didn't even question it so much. Or you got just really drunk at a party and you, you had sex, you know, and it was just something that happened. And I think, I think most of Gen Z drinks less. Yes, which so. is a big part of most of my first sexual encounters. Exactly, yeah. I juice. also kind of, oh, I don't like an afternoon date. And you know? well, mm. I was reading something that they're like, they're more sober and they're less prone to going to like big parties. Sorry, any Gen Zers that are listening and think this is totally not them. We're massively generalizing we're like kind of, whole we're too generation. old people. We're too old people judging a younger generation. Absolutely. <laughs> and I did watch Euphoria, okay? But I think Euphoria... <laughs> was made by people our age thinking that that's what Gen Z do. But actually, Gen Z are a lot more wholesome, a lot more prone to just doing what they like to do, whatever that may be. And they're not falling pressure to like just just going out social drinking all the time, like I certainly did. Good for them. Really good for them. Let me tell you a little anecdote about my my experience with a Gen Z crowd. (laughs) 
I went to a pub in Dublin, and Dublin is all about the drinking, you know. Ireland's all about the drinking. That's north of Europe, what are you supposed to do? And we went to a pub with Irish music, quite a famous pub. Hmm. Everyone's getting on the drinks, it's rammed, and then there's this group of young people at the front. They've got the best seat in the house, and there's eight of them. They were all drinking orange juice and sewing. (laughs) No way. Yes. (laughs) They were all sewing, but just loving the music. <laughs> I'm a, I'm such a huge fan of Gen Z because I think they're such a... I mean, I'm also really sorry for them, kind of their generation who has to bear the responsibility of a dying planet. But such a, such a nice, wholesome generation. Yes, I, I just thought that was so... Well, all of the other older people were getting absolutely hammered on mm. pints of Guinness. They just they were just doing yeah. their sewing. Yeah. Cute. Are you going to really kind of just imagine kind of... I think... When we were kind of, we still do it, but we would just get, you know, beers and McDonald's and now people are really scanning their food to see what ingredients it has. And (laughs) Sorry, I'm just, we're just really getting away from the topic. (laughs) I want to talk about one more thing about Gen Z and I think it relates to sexuality that I didn't mention. I've even observed this in like the fashion trends of Gen Z. It's very infantilized. It's very... uh, kind of like you know bunches in mm. their hair wearing stuff that maybe i did when i was like six yeah you know and i think that generation generally just seem a lot younger and are almost less sexualized which i think is a good thing than people were at our age i sometimes think that this really has to do with that we were still raised with this illusion that we could um grow grow up then we could get a good job, then we could buy a house and everything, and Gen Z already knows this is not happening for them. Exactly. You know, They're also the generation they're... staying the longest at their parents' house. Yeah. I read a statistic the other day that it's like 60% till 24 or something like that. So I think there's that going on. I do think, from what I've seen, because my sister is Gen Z age, and her and her friends, they seem a lot younger than I did at her age. Yeah. They just do. I mean, they will probably live until they're 100 or something, you know? <laughs> On kind what of... planet? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, let, but let's kind let's of maybe it back. take let's it back it. to the kink, and I just wanted to kind of talk about one example from the gay community, you know? <laughs> they are always the avant-garde of sexual of course, freedom. the gatekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I really have the feeling that nowadays when I'm on Grindr or something, because in the past it was always like, kind of, what are you into? I'm top and bottom, blah, blah, blah. And it's still like this. So that hasn't changed. But now people are also much more, then they keep asking like, kind of, yeah, well, do you have any kinks? Kind of, what are you really into? Mm. What turns you on? So I really think that we kind of advanced in the way we have, we're having conversations about sex. We've talked about this before. I think it's more like a revolution of pleasure. Mm. It's It used to be like, you know, because gay people, it was illegal to be gay in many countries, the fight for that right was the revolution itself. And now, you know, people can be a bit more free, depending where you are. I'm talking about we're in Western Europe. And now it's more about, are you actually enjoying what you're doing? Are you checking in with someone? I I also think, you know, kind of, there is no higher objective to gay sex. (laughs) You know, for... the audience, you can't see, but the fingers that came out. I can't remember making really political gestures with this. Kind of, I'm having my speech speech moment. No, because I think you know, for for 
for a very long time for heterosexual couples the idea was to you have sex to have a child you know and with gay sex that's just not the case so much earlier gay sex could actually be about pleasure and I think heterosexual couples are now starting or kind of not only heterosexual couples all types of couples are now starting to explore what that does mean for themselves you know I think you're so right there now my hand's coming out (laughs) I have this conversation a lot. Some people, well, no, a lot of people have asked me, what do you think it is about the gay community that makes them so horny and so into exploring a non-traditional way to explore your sexuality and relationships? And you think it's that. You, I think traditionally you got married and you, you were there to like procreate. And if you don't have that, you're going yeah. to explore different ways. And also you might be a bit more hedonistic about your yeah. sexuality. And you know, there's no um, fear of also yeah. knocking someone up. And it's actually, it's a really funny story because then uh, the pill came and condoms came and you know, you wouldn't get pregnant necessarily, but the way sex happened stayed the same for just a really, really long time. And it wasn't really questioned, except maybe by the gay community, the BDSM community, and you know, some kind of niche niche communities and i think now finally what we always say this kind of revolution of pleasure has reached the mainstream yes so yeah maybe let's talk a bit about our plans so season three season three can you Um, believe can you believe i'm so excited it has been a long ride yeah it has it has it's been it's Um, been wonderful actually all thanks to you dear listeners so Anna and me, we're preparing season three. As ever, we, we won't give you a release date because we can never keep it. We never stick to our deadlines. No, no but we're really working hard. We're slaving away for you. And until then, um, so I think we're really going to release, re-release the Begging for Pegging episode just for I you to kind of listen to. I think everyone needs to, to hear everyone. that. Yeah. As they say, the asshole is the new pussy. And we want to give you all the tools to explore that. <laughs> And like we said at the top of the episode, please get in touch if there's something we haven't covered or you'd like to see it covered in a slightly different way. We love hearing from our listeners and really we do this for you. So until next time. Keep it kinky. Keep it kinky. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Spanky Next on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast. If you'd like to connect with people who share your kinks, sign up to Fetish.com for free or download the Fet app from Google Play Store and the App Store now. And for any one of you who is looking to deepen their knowledge of kink, head to the BDSM training school on Fetish.com and enroll in a course now. And last but not least, shout out to our producer Billy Cragen, our kinky team and everyone who makes this podcast possible. 